the Retro Lounge as they look back into the archives of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiter's Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, (laughs) Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired on May 7, 2009. The original title, Podcast, Never Work for Free, and this was the original title. In episode number 125, Jim Stroud and Karen Madden debate the shady practice of companies who solicit free consultation from job seekers too eager to please. How far should a job seeker go to please a potential employer before saying, enough is enough? How much longer will companies ask interviewees for solutions to present-day issues, not hire that applicant, but still use their intellectual property to their benefit? If you think it only happens during a recession, Think again. Uh, find out <laughs> what uh, myself and Karen Matten said way back on May 7, 2009, right after this. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we out. out. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Madden, and, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this time is another action-packed episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host with the most, Jim Stroud, and with me as always, you know her, you love her, Karen Madden. How are the you? hostess with the mostest. The hostess with the mostest. The queen of mean, as some would try to call you. I'm mean? Oh, I don't think you're mean, but some people think you are. They think you're mean because you just tell them the truth and they don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, I was That's talking you know. to today, and I said, please forgive me if I sound like I'm finger-wagging, but it's just that I recognize that sometimes people don't know, like when we talk about stuff, not everybody knows everything we're talking about, so sometimes you have to explain it, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Not everything is obvious, you know. This is true. Everything is not obvious, which is why it's so important to listen to the Recruiter's Lounge podcast on therecruiterslounge.com. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The shameless plug there. Shameless plug there. Well, I want to start the show off talking about. You just recently win an award or something. Like somebody recognized you as like one of the most uh, amazing website or influential or something. Yes, I was cited um, by uh, someone for being among the top 50 HR blogs, and mine and several other of my peers were honored as being a blog to watch in 2009. Our peers. You're not, I'm still in the industry. You, you know what I mean? Well, a large part of the success of the Recruiter's Lounge is because of you. You did say that, too. I, I thought that. that was really quite nice. 
Well, you know. I appreciated that, by the way. No problemo, no problemo. Actually, we were cited by uh, Evan Carmichael. I don't know if any people, I don't know how many of our listeners have uh, frequented the website of Evan Carmichael, but it's a uh, it's a it's a pretty big pretty big deal because it's just a uh, a number one resource uh, according to to one uh, citation for uh, small business motivation and strategies, and they get about uh, three hundred eighty five thousand monthly visitors. So, pretty big deal. I was very, very impressed, uh, very, very flattered, as we both were, mm-hmm. and very much appreciative. So, a shout-out to Evan Carmichael, who may be listening. Thank you so much, sir, for considering the Recruiter's Lounge as being among the top 50 HR blogs to watch in 2009. And, Jim, I'm still flattered that you still consider me your guest host. Uh, or your host. Co-host. Co-host. Okay, co-host, the hostess with the most of, thank you very much. And I'm still flattered. Let me see, four years later, is it now? No, it's three years, isn't it? Three years later. Yeah, yeah. This is actually an anniversary month for us. Yeah, actually, you're right, isn't it? Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? It truly is. Time flies and we're having fun. Yeah. I've known you longer, but it's been three years that you've got me at the co-host, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so for kept me alive and you've kept me strong, and I'm sure people hate you for that, too. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> some people who are looking for reasons to blame you, uh, to hate you, they have to look at me since I... Yeah, yeah, you know, there. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there. Hey, there is one particular, I won't mention names, but he loves to talk crap about me. But remember when we asked him to do a... Um, a powwow kind of like a debate and he chickened out uh well let's move on because um, <laughs> i want to talk about a, candidates yes candidates because someone you know people send us emails and we really appreciate you sending us emails or or tweeting us because actually this came in from a tweet and you can uh connect to me on twitter at uh twitter.com slash jim stroud g-i-m-s-t-r-o-u-d and you can also tweet out to karen at twitter.com slash hirecentric. That's H-I-R-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-X, hirecentric. And someone um, sent me a tweet saying, Jim, I am perplexed about something because uh, this particular person has gone to several job interviews, and uh, which is fortunate for this particular person, especially in, in this um, type of recessionary atmosphere. And But one thing that keeps coming up throughout all of her interviews is that people want to get free consulting for her, for lack of a better word. I mean, they may understandably go through her background and say, what did you do at Company X, what did you do at Company Y, and explain uh, how you uh, pursued solutions to the various problems that these companies have had. Um, if you come to work for us, um, what would you do uh, to fix this particular real-life situation that is happening at this very moment? You so know what then, they love to do, too, in regards to that? They even ask candidates at times to write up a whole operational agreement this or is true. some this type is of true. business agreement or business plan of what they would do. Exactly. I've heard of some companies asking for a PowerPoint presentation uh, to present. Well, PowerPoint presentation I can handle, but not the whole business plan. Well, I mean, um, no, I mean like create a PowerPoint presentation, and then when you come back for your third or fourth interview, give a presentation as to how you would solve this real-life problem, which is essentially – Asking for free consulting. Now, I understand that you know companies want to be sure of your qualifications, but they should be able to uh, ascertain that from your past 
Wait, 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 let's slow down a second. Of asking you for a free consulting, wouldn't you say? Sometimes, if it's a real life, if they try to give you a pre, some kind, because there's two things that I get concerned about. On one of them, I could understand. If they say, here's a scenario, what would you do? And they kind of like ask you what you would do to go through it. And then especially if you were also going to be doing a lot of presentations and they want to see you do one, you know, then that could understand that as long as it's not something that you would shimmingly charge for, okay? But kind of like something that's kind of gone over. Give an example of that because you, you may be losing the moment. The moment kind of thing. Like say, look, you know, they may even say, look, here's a presentation that we may even give on a regular basis. Or, look, you know, here's an, a real-life example. What would you do in this situation? This is something that happens within our company. When you come back, give me something that you would do in a, in a similar type example of how you would handle this situation. That I could understand. But what I've had on... what crosses the line? Explain what you think crosses the proverbial line there. Okay, when I've had a candidate go ahead and be submitted for an interview, and the candidate does really well, and they're interested in him, and they come back and say, we want you to go ahead and, you know, you're going to be a general manager for our office. Can you go ahead and give us a business plan? And I know that the company is already fledgling and having problems. I'm going to tell my candidate, you are not going to give them a full business plan. There is no way that you are going to go ahead and give them the whole business structure, and then they take it, and then they decide to run without it and without you. So you've had situations where a company has asked for a full-fledged, written-out business plan or, or, or either a strategic plan or how to pursue a solution towards a real-life problem that they're currently having. Uh, they want the full business plan. They want them, okay, you're going to come in and you're going to reorganize this business, and how are you going to do it? How are you going to restructure this business for us? So they'll create a – so the candidate or what they want their candidate to do is create a full point-by-point, step-by-step plan yeah. Fully detailed. Yeah. As part of the interview process. Oh yeah. And then what they may do with that is say, okay. Uh, now we got it. Thank you. Goodbye. See ya. Yes. Thank you for your work. Goodbye. We'll get somebody cheaper than you. Actually, they wouldn't even do that. They'll just go ahead. In fact, they probably never intended to hire someone. But that's I would true. not. So that's one thing I was going to bring up because I know that there are certain companies, especially some of these smaller companies, that cannot afford consultants right now, but they want to uh, have that high price uh, strategy information. So they'll put up a quote-unquote interview cycle. Interview well, actually, Jim, to be honest with you, where I've hmm. seen this happen is with Fortune 50 companies more. You say no, Fortune 50 companies more than Absolutely. smaller companies? Absolutely. They're the ones I've seen that I more will call you right companies. now. Fortune 50 companies are the biggest, excuse my expression, sluts when it comes to treat, mistreating candidates and mistreating recruiters. Because they have the cachet of an established name, so uh, no, because candidates will, will think that you know they have to do what they have to do to Well, no, because dumb job. recruiters, too smart employers, be smarter than they are. Because mm -hmm. dumb recruiters, first thing they always think is, i got to call the big company. And then they don't recognize that the big company has tons of recruiters calling them. So, the, so the, you know, they get tons and tons and tons of resumes, and they get tons of names and people contacting them. So they just know that they can do whatever they want. Well, generally what can happen is they know that they've got somebody else who can come in and take the position. Or you'll have a manager saying, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be smart. This is competitive intelligence, what they call it. And so we're going to go ahead and see what our competitors are doing, and they'll interview them to get competitive information, or they'll interview people so that they can go ahead and see how that person's going to help manage their office, and then they can restructure it and then take credit for it. Oh, well, yeah, sure. I've heard that happening, but that doesn't, that's not just relegated to recessionary times. I've heard companies doing that and it's, all, over, all, all the time. Even you know, now, you'll find it even more so now. 
Mm. I mean, because you, especially with companies, I mean, and that's the sad part. I mean, it's really, okay, I'm going to give you an example, too. And I was talking to a recruiter just recently who had a perfect example about this. But you know there's companies like Bounty Jobs and all these different recruiting networks where these companies go ahead and they sign up. And recruiters, they go ahead and say, well, we're going to charge 25% of a job or we're going to charge 20% on a job or whatever, right? Mm. Well, just recently, one of those huge, well-known drink companies, won't we'll name the name, but we'll just go ahead and let's just put it, it's not Coca-Cola. No name. It's not Coca-Cola. That's okay, always, no names. I'm no names, but it's not Coca-Cola. Well, this big, huge company, as big as Coca-Cola, but not Coca-Cola, went ahead and put out that they were looking for a particular position to be filled. Mm-hmm. They got, they said that their fee was going to be 25%. Now, so you're on a, a network like that. Why would you put why would you put a fee for twenty five percent? Why? Because oh, recruiters are going to go ahead and want to send more resumes in because I want to be the one to fill that at twenty five percent. So I might even send five or six resumes in, okay? And the company says, "Thank you. Give me more. Give me more." Well, here's the deal. I from what somebody was sitting down reading the emails to me, they said that this particular company was asked on the emails how many resumes they had received. They received 160-something, they said. It was like way high number. And then the person said, well, how many resumes, I mean, how many of these interviews have you had? They said, well, we really haven't interviewed anyone, and we definitely haven't made an offer, and we would like to see more resumes. That's a definite red flag because now they're just pimping you for a resume so they can That's keep they were database. doing from the beginning. That's why they put the fee at 25%. Right. So let me, let me, let's break it down for people who, who aren't, the light bulb hasn't gone on for them. So they're basically pimping recruiters for resumes. They keep the resumes in their database for a certain period of time and not contact these candidates until a certain statute limitation runs out. And generally, so I think I'm contact these candidates. for example, six months. Right. So then after six months later, um, they have – a bunch of resumes of people that you sent them that they now do not have to pay for you, pay pay you for, because they've con- they're planning on contacting them six months later. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about it is that big huge red flag to me was 25% on a network that was huge. Now, what is one recruiter and I were talking about? How one particular individual, a recruiter trainer, said. You know, these associations, they've been along, around for a long time, and they will continue to be around. But it's generally the lot of recruiters who utilize those services that don't tend to stick around. And it's a sad irony, but it's true. I mean, here it was about 160 recruiters were all competing on this job. One individual thought, oh, this sounds intriguing. I want to go ahead and try to fill this position for your company, not recognizing that the only reason that they raised that fee as high as they did in public on a public network where they know they could get tons of resumes was so that they could get that that many resumes. Well, you know what, I think think that's sort of – uh, that might come with, uh, with, with what's the term, par for the course. I mean, no matter what industry or whatever, what field you're in, whatever, what you do, there's going to be some good and some bad. Because I know people personally who have used those services and have done quite well for themselves. Yeah, really. So just to be clear, because I don't – What I call one-hit wonders. Right. No, I call them one-hit wonders. I'm sorry. Right, the ones people who, who use those networks and do very well, because it's more than one. Not on a consistent and a continual basis. No. I disagree, because I've, I've come across some who have. Oh, yeah, well, are they still in business and they still kick you Yeah, 
I'm sorry, I disagree. I mean, they're going to have to, I need to see proof on that, that somebody's been on those networks on a continued basis doing well for over two years. I well, let's, let's do this, let's do this. Let's put a call. Uh, wait, wait, let's put a call out there. If anyone's listening to the show who would like to send an email or a tweet to me too. Or, or a comment, I want to see uh, the walk on this. Wait, explaining how well that you've done on. And what do uh, they consider well? Because $60,000 in placements in a recruiter is not well. Well, it, it depends on your. No, that is not well in the on your point of view. You can't you can't qualify what's good and what's yeah, you can, one because for you know what? a good recruiter should be billing at least two fifty every year. That is that's what debatable. That's debatable. That's, that's debatable. not debatable. That's what, what if you're placing administrative assistance? Do you realize that two wait, 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 wait. What if you're placing administrative assistance or retail or janitorial services? You better be like doing that. at least five or six of those a month. I mean, seriously. I guess I, so. I, let me ask you this. How many recruiters, wait, 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 how many people do you know who plays administrative or clerical or services? My good old days. Okay, and, and okay. you've made a quarter million a year placing those people consistently. I went in, actually, I didn't. Placing that skill set consistently. Let's be realistic. I didn't stay long and stuff and moved right into permanent places, but yes, I knew people who did. Why do you think staffing companies make millions of dollars? Staffing companies is the most productive and the most one of the biggest. You know, we should do a show on that. We should ask people how many, which okay, because usually when you talk about big builders, people who make a lot of money, usually you go, you think right off. At least I do, executive in IT. That's and that. And I typically don't think about big builders who who place administrative skill set. Or janitorial services. Or that there is or, what people get because a lot of people thinking and they forget. You see, mm. you can do like for example, I used to do technicians, okay, and HVAC world. Now I do management. I got to tell you, I did better and faster more with technicians because they're faster, easier, quicker, lower dollars. So I could fill three or four or five of them. Now to do a manager that makes over one hundred fifty thousand, it takes much longer to fill that pipeline and to fill that placement. Because the managers are much more, at least with a technician, the skills are easy to discern. They can go in an interview and be hired the same day. Actually, managers, they have to go in a couple of times before they even get to that level of the interview. Right, right, right. Okay, we're, we're actually getting away from the from the point. Well, we're going to risk recruiting. I mean, no, 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 no. We're getting away from a point I was trying to make in the very beginning about uh, helping this particular um, person who, who wrote in for advice. That's true. Okay, we're getting so, back to the poor candidate. Yes. Okay. So, candidates. So, what candidates? Wait, 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 wait. The question is, wait, wait. The question on the wait. The question on the table is, if a candidate is looking for a job and then they are in a position where they need they need a job because I mean a lot of people are in that position. It's certainly understandable, and they're going to feel the pressure whether the pressure is coming from their personal finances or pressure is coming from the recruiter or pressure coming from the company or pressure coming from whatever, and they need to. Um, seal the deal and get this position. So if a company approaches them and say, yes, we want to hire you, but or, or yes, we want to, we'll, we are considering you, but to help us consider you a little bit more than the next person, we want you to do this extra work. Now, what advice do you give to that person uh, facing the, the potential of not getting the position because they're not going to do the extra little bit that the next guy Depends is going to do? Depends on what the extra bit that they're asking for. Okay, so what, is, what parameters would you suggest someone should say, you yes, I'll do it, or no, I won't do it, or I will do this for so many dollars an hour? Okay. Okay, first off, it depends on what they're asking for. If they're asking you to do something that you know that they can take and walk, then you want to make sure you say, look, you know what, I really appreciate what you're doing here. I really appreciate what, you know, say it nicely. I really appreciate that you want this information. I'm willing to give you a portion 
a part of what you want so you can see from, you know, what my style is or what my ability is. But right now, my professional career can demonstrate for itself how well it is. For example, you want a person who can manage a $60 million P&L? Well, sir, not only can I prove it by my experience where I took a company from over $75 million to $200 million and managed over 50, you know, 5,000 people or whatever it may take it, or 500, I should say, at that level, but here's my proof. Here's what I've done for the last 10 years. So you can either demonstrate it that way. Now, if you're a salesperson or if you're going to be doing PowerPoints or whatever, and they ask you to give an example of what you do, like an actress, for example, going on an audition, that's okay. I can respect that, you know, because they're not going to take what you just did and walk away and steal it. Kate, I would never utilize your intellectual property. That's the best way to define it. If you're using intellectual property from which they can financially gain from, either say, hey, I'm going to charge you an hourly fee for my work as a consultant, or B, you can either I'll give you a portion of what I can do and more will come after I'm hired, or C, take a look at my history. Okay, so you, so you, so from here you're right. What you're drawing the line is some sort of presenting them some sort of digital capital uh, collateral where you're giving them a, a, um, a PDF or something that they can pretty much go from your hand to theirs and they can then keep it and utilize it to the hilt versus you're explaining something um, from, you know, I guess, from your mouth to their ears? Right. I mean, like, for example, I remember once a long time ago, and I kind of pushed the envelope on this, and they pushed the envelope on it too because I work for free. But I did answer some – I did make – and some phone calls for them. They said, here, can you call some of these candidates and can you call some of these companies so that we could hear what you would do? And I did that, you know, and I did actually only did it for about 15, 25 minutes. It wasn't that long. And because it was that limit, I felt it was comfortable. Had they asked me, if they had asked me to do it for three to six hours, I would have said, bite me. Hey, unless you pay me an hourly wage, you're not going to get me to work for free. I'm sorry, but slavery ended a long time ago. So... Okay, so I guess you, you would have an attitude of, um, of I'm, I'm going to draw the line on giving away uh, digital collateral or some sort of intellectual property that can be handed off, whether through Where email or from, or from a hand, some kind of some kind of material content. That's right. where you draw the line. But as far as in asking you questions exactly. on how you pursue things, you would say you would talk in generalities, you would talk in broad terms, or I would go about doing this, or I would do it this way. You would talk in broad terms about giving exact specific step-by-step. Step. You can say what I have done in a similar experience is this, this, and this, and you discuss it as you have done in a similar experience without giving actual written intellectual property. Then maybe another, also another solution might be for someone who, who may be, I guess, sales savvy enough to try to do this, you can say, hey, why don't you take me on as a uh, attempt to hire kind of a deal? Hire me on as a, as a consultant. That's huge then, right now. I mean, a lot we can of do people. This, we can do this for a few hours. This is my fee. And then if you like it, take me on. Because actually, okay. they will save money in the long run, in the long run, hiring you on as an employee as opposed to a, con a consultant. Can definitely do it that way. And here's another opportunity to um, option. Okay, but I want to define something. Yeah, you price yourself. But go ahead. I'd like to define another big thing that seems to be happening recently are internships. Love it for going on as interns. Yeah, I read about that just, just thoroughly today. I think a Wall Street Journal talked about that. Yeah, well, you know what? By the way, there's no such thing as a free internship either. And I really, I actually tweeted about that a couple of all times. Heard, all I've ever seen are free internships. Oh, yeah, there are. People actually try to do them quite. Yeah, I've never heard of a paid internship. 
You've never heard of most internships, if done professionally and legally, are paid internships. Every time I hear internship, I hear the word free labor. Now, it's what you think is free because that's what we've been led to believe. And I've, I mean, I've been in different companies that I've been involved with uh, or that I have I've worked peripherally, perif- on the periphery with. Um, they'll get a college student to come in and volunteer oh, what? so many hours. Do that. I hate to tell you, but guess what? You have to pay. I mean, in regards to fair, the fair, the the FLSA, okay, they they do have standards in which people have to do in regards how to define what an intern is and what is not an intern. You know what? You know what? You know what? I have to retract that because in, in the present opportunity, uh, in the present position I'm in, we have had interns and we did pay them. Yes, you did. Uh, so I can guarantee that. I know Microsoft that is, is very So sure. let me just put that out there. But um, on the average, I always associate intern with free labor. No, and re- it's in the terms of, well, free labor in terms of I will give you experience when you come work. And then that experience actually is – so that's not really free because they are getting an experience that they can then leverage another opportunity. So the in- that's intern- debatable whether or not it's free labor. The, okay, again, what happens is is that there are certain issues that have to abide. Okay, for example, the training or internship is similar to what they'll be giving at work. The training is a benefit to them, but but and then there must they must work under complete supervision. But the employer must not derive any immediate act advantage financially or in any shape or way or form from the activities of the interns. Where there, if there is, especially there must be financial gain. A good example is Marriott. Marriott has a lot of interns that come in there and work for them, and every one of them are paid. Most hotels, I mean, you you can tell a legitimate company from a non-legitimate company. And I will advise that anyone, before they take a an internship, they go on the Internet and look up the legalities on that because I can guarantee you that, okay, America has a very huge low tolerance, has a low tolerance to people going ahead and basically taking advantage of somebody else's weakness. Just because you're out of work and desperate, you'll find companies that you don't need to be taken advantage of. And there are companies who will try to abuse you that way. And that's where the government comes in and says, look, if this intern is going to make the sales internship and it's going to make this company money, guess what, dude? You still got to pay that person at least minimum wages. I was about to say that. So, yeah, this internship is a way to get in, but it's also another way for companies to take advantage of a situation. Yeah, and the best way to look up, you can look up um, intern and FLSA, okay? That's the Fair Labor Standards Act. I mean, the problem is, is that, again, People don't know, know but, let, but let me ask you this because we're getting a long time. So if someone is working as an intern and they're not getting paid, then they can look up intern FLSA. And, and get, see if they qualify and how does it relate to them. And then they I, could potentially sue that employer for not paying them? You no, know, I wouldn't do go to sue. I would say go to your employer and ask them what's going on, understanding that you could get if you okay if they fire you, but because of that, uh, first off, if they try to cut fire you, go to HR, okay, and that's the best person to talk and make a grievance with HR, saying I'm kind of believing that I'm supposed to be being paid for this. Um, and you know that the government doesn't like slave labor, basically. Well, you know what's going to happen. The company says, okay, you're right, we'll pay you now. We no longer need you. Bye-bye. But, After they give you a pittance. And guess what? Then you have recourse. Go to the Department of Labor and let well, them know what happens. Not if, they, not if they pay you a pittance for uh, – Yeah, give you – a pittance doesn't work. And I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, well, okay, wait, 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 wait. So you say, okay, we, we, haven't paid the, we haven't paid the intern. Intern complains. 
company says, okay, you're right, we're busted, here's some money. We and then a week later, they say, okay, we don't need you anymore, we're, not, we're no longer hiring interns anymore or whatever. We don't pay them back you. everything that they did earn. They can what? They'll have to pay them if the company acknowledges that the person is right, and that's true, and they looked at the facts and they said, oh, yeah, oh, boy, we did. That means they now have to pay that individual all the back wages. Which is, which is at minimum wage, not a whole bunch of money anyway. So, so, so will the typical job seeker complain? Yes, it depends. But will, but will they complain? It depends on classification of the job as well, too, because it could have been that the person was working in a position, an administrative position, actually had the skills but just called themselves an intern, and they were being messed up. So that means that they could actually have a wage and a half. They could be in a professional position. It depends on what the position is. Now, does, does, now does, does that fall under the term of, of one of your favorite words, misclassification? Yes. And here's the issue. I mean, people don't want to hear this, and they get angry because they think, oh, there's Karen trying to teach. Hey, this, is, this, is part of the recruiter's lounge, wait, this is part of the recruiter's lounge drinking game. Every time you hit over misclassification, you should take a, take a shot. Okay, that's true. Okay, but the thing is a lot of people go ahead and say, well, there's Karen trying to teach employees how to sue companies. No, my job isn't to teach employees how to sue you. My job is to teach you how not to do stupid things. As, a mister, as an employer, but also to protect the employees. Because i got to tell you something. You, hear this, you know our economy is in a really bad shape. I've heard that. Right. Well, okay, I'm going to give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There was a company called FedEx. FedEx was um, tried by the, the uh, I'm fined two-point-something billion dollars. It was about two billion dollars, okay, from its classification. That's two billion dollars of back taxes that a city, a state, and our federal government would have gotten. Two billion for just four years. Now, the government said that misclassification has gone up in the last 10 years alone about 80%. Okay? Now, Obama just said, hey, we're closing off these loopholes for all these companies that are sending jobs outside. They said, well, we can get about $200 billion just from that alone. These are taxes that our economy needed, and this is money that could have been going into the pockets. You see, for example, when you have a company and the company's you are and you're an employee, like for example, we have we know a lot of people who are calling themselves contractors. Hey, wrap recruiters. it up quickly. Out of time. Let me make this quick. So these recruiters think, oh, I'm making a hundred bucks an hour as a contractor, and I'm doing really well. The problem is, in reality, if they were to go ahead and have their company pay their taxes that they're supposed to, and the company also matched them their 401, and the company matched them their FICA and their BICA and everything else and the unemployment insurance, that person actually, in reality, is doing much better than the person's making 100 bucks a year hour. So, in other words, when you work for yourself as an independent contractor, you're in a higher tax bracket, you're paying your, all your taxes, you're paying your Social Security, you're paying all that information, and you're actually coming out about 50 bucks an hour. I'll say 65 for good measure. Okay? So the reality is you really are eating a lot. And, by the way, you're lucky if you do have any unemployment. You're lucky if you have anything when you walk away from that company, and you definitely don't have any health benefits. And on that positive note, uh, we'll have to wrap it up. I wanted to just say, for everyone who thinks that they're doing good as a company, remember that those are employees that you're hurting, and that means you're hurting our economy. That these people don't have dollars to spend and feed the economy. I'm not ranting or raving here. I'm just trying to make a point of 
this hurts us all. Understood. And if you want to follow up with Karen about this comment or anything I've said, uh, feel free to contact us. You can reach me by email, Jim, uh, Jim Stroud at TheRecruiterSounds.com or Karen at TheRecruiterSounds.com or on Twitter um, at Twitter.com slash Jim Stroud and Karen is at Twitter.com slash HireCentrix. So if all hearts and minds are clear, I'm going to say bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Well, that's the end of our show, and as always, you've been a very great audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or simply hate what you just heard, uh, please let us know. You can reach me, Jim Stroud, at jim at therecruiterslounge.com or karen at therecruiterslounge.com. Also, if you would, please uh, subscribe to us by iTunes or just subscribe to the site, uh, of course, therecruiterslounge.com. The theme song of the Recruiter's Lounge is courtesy of Brain Bucket and the Podsafe Music Network. Find them online at music.podshow.com. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase S is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.